Hello there, Terry here with another episode of the Animation Industry Podcast. Today I have a pretty interesting episode about the not-so-talked-about side of animation, which is everything to do with sound design. But when you think about it, pretty much half of an audience's experience with animation is just sound. You know, everything from voice acting, music, and sound effects. So today I am talking with an animation sound designer who has a really insightful look into the right way to put together sound for your animation, whether it be a portfolio, a demo reel, or any kind of short film or feature film even. And his name is Barrett Slagle, and he started his journey into animation way back when he actually signed with Atlantic Records as a recording artist. So with Atlantic Records, he did extensive touring. He shared a stage and co-wrote songs with Alan White, who worked with Morrissey. He cut a record with legendary producer-engineer Joe Ciccarelli, who worked with U2, Beck, and the White Stripes, and mixer Brian Maloof, who worked with Michael Jackson and Queen, and he did all of this before the age of 23, which is quite insane. And after gaining all of this experience and learning from these masters, he realized he had a passion for working in the studio, and so he decided to pursue a full-time career as a producer. And since then, he has produced, recorded, mixed, and co-written dozens of albums at Artisan Labels, and now he co-owns his own animation studio called Open the Portal, where he also heads up the audio department and does all the sound effects and music for their animations. And some of his work has included projects for Katy Perry, ASAP Rocky, Mattel, and Disney. So, Barrett, I am really excited to chat about everything to do with sound design. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for uh, having me on the podcast. Yeah, so um, I know I kind of chatted a little bit about what propelled you into this career, but um, you've worked on so many cool projects. Uh, what, w- like, what has given you the passion to work on animations and sound design and all that stuff in the first place? Huh. Well, um, I, I just generally have a passion for music and audio in general. Um, I think I've had that since I was a kid. And uh, there's something about sound design very specifically where um, it allows me the opportunity to really explore and craft and create insane uh, sounds that um, you wouldn't even have a need for in just music. And uh, I, I, I like to play, you know? I like to twist and mingle and find the right, right thing. And uh, that's something I'm very passionate about. Do you ever like feel that animation is enhanced by the sound effects and music and stuff like that? Um, absolutely. Um, I'm under the impression that music and sound is half of the animation because, you know, if you're doing live action, you might have people on set that are, you know, recording things here and there, but uh, animation is just photographs. So you need to put sound in to help connect your audience to the images that they're seeing. Yeah, for sure. So I want to talk a lot about like how, as an animator, I can use sound to, you know, enhance my work or my portfolio or what I'm working on. But first, I want to know, how did you learn to uh, like sound design and and all this stuff, too? Because uh, like you've worked on a lot of great projects, but you had to start somewhere. So did you go to school for this or like how did you learn the animation audio industry, I guess? Yeah. So um I, I was working at a studio producing albums, so I was pretty proficient at running uh, the software, knowing all the ins and outs of audio flow, and really how to like craft songs and stuff. And um, it wasn't until um, Dave, David, who was the singer of my old band, went to CalArts, 
and uh, he would just send me all of his projects and he would tell all of his friends at school like oh I, I have an audio guy I have an audio guy and he would send me over the animation and and I had, didn't know how to deal with audio and video together but it was that was kind of my school um, we always kind of joked that David and I kind of went to school at the same time and I, I was very self-taught um, I used the internet as a resource and YouTube videos and e even today I, I'm, I have a list of audio sound design Facebook groups that I'm referencing every day where we're just talking about all the latest tech and it, <clears throat> it helps me kind of stay up to date. So like if so you didn't go to school for this. Can you go to can you go to school for this? Like can I'm, you take courses and whatnot for like sound design? In is it in general or is it like can you take specific animation ones or um to my knowledge, I don't think there is a specific animation sound course. Um, but I do know there are plenty of audio degrees and engineering and composition that would include sound design in that. Gotcha. So at this point, like, um, you know, you're doing commercial work, you co-own a studio, say I have a project that I need sound for like music, sound effects and whatnot. What do I come to you specifically for? Like what, what are your skills, um, in relation to what I might need? So um, my main two focuses is sound design and composition. So um, if you are in need of some music, you could talk to me and I would sit down with you, watch the animation and really kind of discuss what, what my thoughts are, what your thoughts are. And I would uh, like write and score the, the film. Um, I also handle sound design. So and, and that, that could also include sound effects or manipulating and creating sounds um, from the ground up. Yeah. And, uh, and even a little bit of Foley mixed in there somewhere, which is me actually performing weird sounds in my studio with a microphone, uh, which has a fun, rich history that dates all the way back to the radio dramas. So like, what's a weird sound you've, you've done? Can you do some weird sounds right now? <laughs> I know one where you can put your hand over your mouth and make a farting noise. <laughs> well, well, one thing I realized when doing animation is uh, I'm finding myself always in need of weird, uh, kind of gloopy, sloppy, slimy sort of sounds because uh, when you're working with claymation, things can tend to kind of move and it's probably also um, sort of open the portal style to do stuff that's a little kind of a little rough. And so um, some great resources for that is like uh, fish. <laughs> oh, no. We get a slab of fish and kind of like squish and grime that. Um, also, if you want a good bone breaking sound, uh, a good usage for that is actually frozen vegetables like frozen celery. And then you'll get a great little crack, like, and it'll be the gnarliest uh, bone cracking sound you can find. So does your office smell disgusting? <laughs> I, there's, uh, the, I have different places where I can record different things. Yeah, outside. <laughs> um, so, like, whenever I'm doing sound design, I think, or uh, maybe I'm using that term incorrectly, but we can talk about that later. For my animations, like I do a lot of characters walking and I find that footsteps are kind of, for me, the hardest sound to 
create like it like if i do it too hard on the table it sounds off or like if i look up effects it's like i don't know there's it's too muddy or it's too loud or something like what is a good footstep <laughs> that right there i guarantee if you talk to anybody that does any kind of foley that that's the part that is probably one of the most difficult things to really capture because there are an infinite amount of factors you know what kind of shoes what kind of surface what kind of uh walking pace are they running are they jumping are they sliding um that can get very very tedious very quick um and that that's only if you're performing it live and generally you need what's called a foley stage which is like a very big room where you can like have the space and equipment to be able to project and record and do all that live um i i found myself uh, when i'm unable to do that when i don't have the time also um i do have a library with footsteps in it that i've been collecting over the years and uh usually what you'll have is like one audio track that has you know uh all those sort of parameters so you'll have like you know uh high heels on concrete right and then and then it'll be a long audio file that'll be walking slowly and then a little bit faster and then you know the running and then the the most important thing for anyone that's trying to record and sample bullies is you need some jumps and some sliding of the shoes help really really put a little detail in if, if someone's kind of walking if you just add a little bit of like to the end it really creates this feeling of them kind of stopping even if it's off screen it's nice to it, it's weird how it works it just you your brain tells you that, that person just stopped interesting so i well i have a whole bunch of questions around this maybe i was going to ask them later but since we're talking about it now why don't we sure. um so in terms of timing like you just said like if you add like a like a slide and a stop like at what point do you put in the footstep? Is it like right as like a character's foot hits the ground, like that frame, or do you do it slightly before or slightly after? Like, what is your guide for, or is it just like you feel it as you watch it? Sure, um, that's a very good question um, because our brain oftentimes won't. It, sometimes, if you put it right on the frame, it won't feel right. You know, so I what I usually do is start with right on the frame, like right when the foot hits the floor and then I watch it and see how it is. And sometimes if you nudge it just a, like like even milliseconds a little behind or a little before, you can kind of find the sweet spot. OK, so it's, it's kind of like a feeling. Is there like a feeling you of like satisfaction maybe you get that, you know, it's done right? Yes, I absolutely. I, I would say. Uh, a lot of things in this line of work, you know, is does kind of end up coming down to a little bit of that. It just feels right. So, so maybe like what sets like when you're watching other animations or or just anything, what sets like an amateur sound design production apart from one that's done professionally? Like if you if you're doing something and you're like, yes, I got this right. It feels satisfactory. But if you're watching something. How can you tell that this something is like off, I guess, or not done correctly? Right. Um, there are a few kind of common mistakes that I see a lot, especially with like student films. Um, one of which is generally the dialogue is not recorded very well. 
And it just always breaks my heart when I see a beautiful animation and you can tell that the voice is recorded on a laptop. And, uh, and I understand there's a lot of uh, limitations when you're a student and you're, you're, um, you know, you're on a deadline and you're trying to get your piece done. But if there's like any encouragement I can give students is like, you know, set your, say your due date is on the 10th, you know, in your brain, set it to, you know, the 5th at least and and or if not more time and just create yourself a little buffer room to really dive in and do the sound properly gotcha um with the sound effects itself like when i'm like i do stop motion and i have like i'm tempted to put like a sound effect for absolutely everything like an eye blink a footstep uh i don't know a hair swoosh like whatever how do you and then when I watch it, like in my mind, I'm like, yeah, this is great because I'm looking at each specific thing waiting for the sound effect. But then sometimes when somebody else watches it, they're like, whoa, this is just overwhelming with sounds. Right. How do you how do you discipline yourself or know what's right to do? Because sometimes I'll watch an animation and only realize that like you don't even hear the footsteps. They right. don't even put that in and it doesn't even need it. It's fine just as a silence or something. Absolutely. So I would say that the big picture answer to your question is story is king right yeah. you should every decision that you make when you're making a film should always be reflective and supporting the story that and so with sound specifically whenever you put a sound effect on emotion or an action it's going to draw the attention of the audience to that action right so if you're adding too many sounds, the, you might be adding uh, a sound effect to an unnecessary part that might take away or be distracting from the main focus of the scene. Um, not to say you can't put sounds on a lot of stuff, but there, there's a whole other element we haven't even talked about, which is sort of levels and mixing, you know? Yeah. Like, like maybe you have the hair swoop, but maybe you kind of cut out some low end, pull it way down where it's it's kind of just felt and it can be in the background, but maybe not necessarily forefront. Oh gosh. <laughs> so so that like adds a whole nother layer to sound as well. But it, it makes sense that if you're trying to follow the story, like maybe the story includes hearing all of the things going on, but sure. focusing on something specific. Absolutely. But I, I will say that you, your brain can only focus on so much. So you know, one, one technique that, that I use a lot is, you know, after I put all my sounds in, I tend to go through and just start muting stuff and going, does it need that? Does it need that? Do I need to get rid of that? And just kind of see what I can get away with. And sometimes it also changes the whole mood, right? Like, like if say you had a section where you, you hear all the Foley and the sound effects and then the, then the music sweeps in and you have this real beautiful dramatic moment what if all the sound effects just go away and you, all you're hearing is music and this visual? That's going to be a completely different feeling. So I think it's really, everything is very dependent on the scene and the story. There, I don't think there's a quite an easy answer to that question. Gotcha, yeah. So, uh, well, I guess, like you said, it's also like a very, like almost emotional, I guess, uh, skill set you need to have <laughs> absolutely i mean that, that that's one thing that I'm, I'm constantly asking myself when i'm seeing a scene is you know uh um 
what emotion it, it needs to be coming across here. Am I feeling that emotion? Um, you know, that, that, that should absolutely be at the top of your forefront all the time as you're going through. Gotcha. So maybe let's backtrack a little bit and talk more about like the, the career slash like business of sound. Like, first of all, like what excites you about being in this career? Oh man. I, I mean, I, I just love it. I I'm passionate about it. I mean, like I, that's why I was stoked to do this podcast. I, I, I will literally geek out for hours on all this stuff. And the, the fact that, that someone is willing to value my time and skill set enough to pay me money for it, that's very exciting to me. And also, too, just, you know, Dave and I tend to work together on also creating the stories and our own original IP. And I love storytelling and developing our, our own work is extremely exciting to me. So, well, you just said something interesting it, that somebody would pay you money to do what you want to do. And that's like... I think the biggest jump in any passion career is doing something for yourself and then getting paid to do it. So how did you, I know we kind of went through the history a little bit, but how did you make the jump from being like, I love sound to actually getting paid and actually getting clients? Right. Well, um, that started, uh, to me, there was kind of two phases. There was, you know, my career as a music producer, um, so that was just me being 24 years old and I had a little computer in my bedroom and I built, I, ha I was a part of sort of the music community and uh, I just, word of mouth got around that I had a skill set and people were willing to pay for it. And then fast forward to uh, open the portal, we just kind of, we, we built a, a pretty strong presence and what it really comes down to is is you being confident in what your value is. You know, people are going to pay you money for something that 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 you're confident that you can do. If you feel like you're worth $5, that's what people are going to pay. Gotcha. So, do you I guess when you're pitching, do you have a worth in your mind or is it based on the vibe that they have or something? I don't know. Like how does that work? Well, um, I, I, as we've, the, I, w I definitely have like a sort of standard rate now that things are a little bit more um, structured where, you know, I, I have a, 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 a rate that I use for a day rate or maybe a project rate or something like that. And that has been continually used over the years that that works for us and myself. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so like, how, like, I guess if you wanted to get into sound design, what what are some of the things that people look for like in your portfolio or like want to see? Like you just, I guess people heard of you from word of mouth, but if you were starting from scratch, like what would you put together? Mm. So you're you're uh, you're you're saying somebody that that has no experience, how do they yeah. in developing a career path? Yeah, um, I would suggest just 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 putting together, putting together a reel, you know? Um, if you're a student and you're, you're passionate about sound, you know, reach out to all the students that are making films and, and you know, you, you need to do a lot of work and, and prove that, that you can execute good work. And once you have that, then it would be more appropriate to, um, and there, there's, there's different uh, career paths as well. You know, do you wanna be freelance and work for yourself? 
there's also other opportunities where you can go intern at a big uh, audio production studio. And so maybe you might be running for a while and then, you know, maybe after a year or two, they kind of throw you little projects. And then next thing you know, you're the head sound designer at, you know, Warner Brothers or something. <laughs> so there, there's definitely different. To me, those are the kind of the, the two main paths of, you know, freelancing, creating your own thing or working for a bigger studio. Gotcha. Are there like specific things that you should include in a portfolio? Like, uh, like I can do dramatic music mooding or like I can do sound effects. Like, are there things that I guess are looked for? Mm -hmm. that, that, that is definitely a very good question. I. And this is just my personal opinion. Uh, I would suggest really including stuff that is uniquely you. Yeah. Because you want to be the person where people go to where that's the only place they can get that thing, you know? It's like, uh, you know, oh, the, like say you're sending your reel around and it just has this really unique thing and it gets passed across the desk and like, oh, Terry does this really cool thing and I need that thing. So we're going to hit up Terry. Like, right. That should be the idea. So like, what's an, ex so you, for instance, I guess, can you, can other people tell when you've worked on a project, like you have a distinct, uh, I guess, style that you try to use in your work? Yes. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's something I do consciously. <laughs> I just have a lot of different influences even coming back um, from my days doing music production, you know, there I think there are certain things I might even do a little bit un, uh, unorthodox to the way some people might. Um, that that gives my my stuff a little bit of an extra flavor. So, like, what's what's an example of uh, something unorthodox that you might do with sound? Um, well, for the, I would say the the first thing that I think does end up influencing my piece. My, uh, my work is my workflow. It, traditionally, when you're making a film, you would have, you know, one person doing the music, one person doing sound design, one person doing editing, one person doing Foley, and so on. And just, just to the sheer, uh, you know, uh, limitation of it just being me, I, I find that I tend to sort of Jackson Pollock <laughs> my audio in a sense that I, I'm not always thinking about, all right, I'm working on music now or I'm working on sound effects now. I'm just watching the piece and then and then I might really quickly switch over and record a little piano part and then switch over and then, you know, kind of toss in some sound effects and kind of build it very uh, holistically together. And uh, I, I'm sure some people do the same thing, but that's just what works for me and I have the luxury to be able to do that and I think the end result is a much more cohesive and um, very intentional sound uh, track so how do you how do you know when something is finished like obviously there's like deadlines in with commercial projects and whatnot but like you said you might just hop on the piano or you might record something like how do you know you're done <laughs> yeah and that that, that goes a little bit to our previous conversation of, of that is something once you develop a good ear and once you do it a lot, that there's something in your gut that just, and, and sometimes even it's an emotion, like 
sometimes I watch something that I did and it feels like I didn't do it. It feels like I'm no longer working on something. I'm watching something that has nothing to do with me. You know, so, uh, one of my favorite quotes is from Madeline Langle and she said, uh, the true, um, she, uh, when, when the artist can trans, when, when, when the artist can be a true servant of the work, that's when the work can transcend and become greater than the artist. And, you know, there, there's just weird moments where you work on a work and it just, it feels like you're watching someone else's work. And that maybe that's, I don't know if that answers your question, but sometimes that is a feeling you can get when you know, okay, we're on to something. This is starting to get good. And then from then on out, it's just don't mess it up. <laughs> I, you know what? That's a that's a really good quote. I really like that. And I I often feel the same way when I'm animating. Sometimes when I'm working on a stop motion, it'll feel like, oh yeah, I did this, and like this is the thing. But sometimes there's a point where it just feels like it exists, and you're just watching it, I guess. Versus like, oh, I remember doing this exact movement and whatnot. So I definitely get that, and I'm I'm I guess. Probably that's true for any art form. Absolutely. Um, so you mentioned training your ear, which I know we talked about before. Are there like specific, like say, okay, so from my perspective, and there are a lot of students listening to this as well, who will have to put together student films and portfolios at some point um, where like, I don't have a lot of uh, experience with sound design and, and music and whatnot. What are some things that I can do to train my ear to when I put together my own stuff to know that, okay, this sounds very amateur or like this, what can I do to train my ear to get to the next level and say, okay, this is actually what I should do instead. And this sounds much better. Absolutely. So in my opinion, the best thing to do is to listen to a lot of other people's work yeah. and and by listen, I don't mean just listen. There's a, um, it's a sort of like very intentional listening that you do have to, it's more training your brain, I think, than it is training your ears, right? Where you, as you're watching the piece, you're actually kind of dissecting a little bit the elements that are happening and listening to the Foley and how does the dialogue sound? And you, there's this weird thing where you can almost, even though the soundtrack is there, you begin to sort of separate out the elements and hear them individually and, and how they fit together. Um, yeah. And that's not something that I can give you an easy answer of here's what you need to do. I think it's just a little bit more of a mindset of just, you know, every time you're watching a movie, you know, or animation or whatever, just be, just be cautious and, and or uh, sorry, uh, conscious rather of the different elements that are going on. And I, I, I think if you do that enough, without realizing it, you'll notice a change in yourself over time. That makes sense to me because, for instance, like a story, to get better at storyboarding, one technique is to watch TV and, and movies from a perspective of who's on what side of the screen, how do they cut, stuff like that, because yes. it makes you more conscious of the decisions they're making. So the same thing. So maybe, you know, when do they come in with the music? When are they applying sound effects, stuff like that. So I think that's really good. And you mentioned, I know we've mentioned this a bunch and I'm kind of jumping all over the place, 
you mentioned sound design versus sound editing and from what i thought before they were just the same thing but uh, you told me there's a very clear distinction between them can you just explain the differences between the two yeah and to, I would say, to be fair, um, because of technology and low-budget films, you know, I'll, so many films now are done like this, where it's just kind of one, maybe two people doing a lot of the work. Um, yeah. Very, in more traditional terms, uh, a sound editor is someone who might search through a sound effects library and and actually take those and sync them up to picture, right? So if you have a character like socking a guy in the nose and you know, you go through your, you know, whatever software you're using, like SoundMiner, you know, and you type in your word, you find it, throw it in there, sync it up, it's in there. That would be more of a job of a sound editor. Uh, a sound designer um, is someone who would record um, and manipulate sounds through different, like, effects, whether it's, like, pitching or adding, uh, you know, some, some phaser or panning or you know, or even just going out and searching and finding, uh, pitching and reverse, uh, reversing a sound is like so wonderful. And it's such an easy thing to do to get a really interesting sound design sort of element. And yeah. so that would be the distinction of the two is, uh, one is a little bit more, uh, I won't say cut and dry, but I'll say it's, it's very much just one-to-one, -one, like, here's the sound, I'm putting it in there. Whereas sound design, you know, you, you might even use synthesizers, right, to to create and manipulate new sounds that don't really exist in the world. Gotcha. Um, so are there, like you, you mentioned, like reversing a sound effect, are there other easy but effective techniques you usually use? Yes. Yeah, so... With, with, I'll try not to get too, too nerdy for people that don't. <laughs> get as nerdy as you want. <laughs> Feel free to, uh, to Google any of these terms if anyone really is interested in getting this nerdy. But I would say generally, there's really only a handful of sort of effects that can be... That we've opened up and combined, and there always there's always new things coming out. But very generally, like any software you're using will have some of these basic tools which is um reversing sounds is always a good easy thing to just just try it like put a sound in reverse it see what it sounds like well, how does that feel to you could that be something interesting um reverb is another good one that you can manipulate in a more sound design way i think some people think uh, of reverb as it just being sort of a, a light echo like you sound in a room but if when you really start tweaking the knobs and you realize, oh my gosh, I can get this sustain that lasts for 12 seconds, you know, from a clap. So you could clap and then hear this 12 second decay of And then maybe you print that, reverse that, and now all of a sudden you have this nice little, little white noise swell that could, you know, add a little stinger or something. Um, and then uh, uh, delays are always great. Again, it's all about tweaking with the knobs and, and pushing them to the limits in which they're not properly supposed to be used. I will always encourage that uh, of just and just exploring and finding weird, fun things. Um, and, and then there's stuff like phasers and then, you know, just a couple little of those simple things. Just literally, you know, go in your your software and go to the plugins and effects and just just start plugging around and, and just 
experiment, you know, and you, you'll kind of get a sense for what, how they're affecting the audio. Is there, is there like, when you're listening to audio, is there something that immediately impresses you that when you hear it, you're like, nice job. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of hard to say. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I, I, I'm, uh, I, this is going to sound weird, but I'm always impressed when, when people use, um, use when are when people are more restrained right mm -hmm. and when those moments when there should be something there or the real obvious thing to do would be this and they they either don't have a sound there or they have an interesting sound i mean that i, I would pinpoint it that way it's it's when you you build up an expectation and break it in an unexpected way that's pleasing I always will always enjoy that, which is basically what if you break down a joke, that's what a joke is, right? Is you set up an expectation, you break it unexpectedly in a pleasing way. And that always catches my ear when people do that in an audio sort of. Uh, I, I never thought of audio as that before, but that totally makes sense. Um, like, say, I don't know if you can think of an example. I'm trying to think of one, like maybe in an animation where you have this like really buff character and you have him like not speak the whole time and he's like grunting or whatever. And then when he does speak, it's like a little, little girl voice or something. That's, that perfect. That's perfect. That's that, exactly, you know, anything like that is, is really interesting. And then, but again, like those are things that enhance the story, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and also too, I mean, think about it like animation, you, you know how in animation people kind of get stuck in these sort of like, like obvious, sort of things to, to execute and do in animation. And it's always kind of refreshing to see an animation where they sort of take it in a little different direction. And audio is exactly the same way. And, it's, and honestly, most of my opinions on audio are gonna apply to every art form. You know, I, I, I'm this crazy kind of holistic art thinking kind of guy where I think all arts are completely correlated and you can learn something, if, something about, you know, uh, playing the piano and you can learn lessons about cooking yeah have you so have you ever animated on that note yourself so i do not have the patience <laughs> to animate i have mad respect for everyone single one of you animators out there that has the the patience to microscopically move something and then you know when you accidentally bump the table start over oh my you know? gosh that happened to me yesterday actually <laughs> uh i would definitely recommend to all the students to hot glue everything hot glue <laughs> camera to the floor hot glue the table just you can never use enough hot glue because you don't want to start your animation all over and you're not even an animator so <laughs> well it, it's funny as the time i guess yeah, well, you know, owning an animation studio and the part of the vision for Open the Portal was to have a place where sound and animation coexist together beautifully. And so what I made it my mission the past five years to really understand the process of stop motion to a certain extent, you know, where uh, to, to, to answer your question earlier, I did direct a short animation project we, it was just for one of our instagrams and uh i had worked with an intern and i i had a vision and i knew enough about animation to have a gist for like how it would work and we planned it out and she ended up being a killer animator and just 
blew it out of the water. And so I, I haven't done actual animation, but I, it was, I actually really enjoyed kind of directing. Nice. So uh, from the animation perspective, like you said, you don't have the patience to uh, meticulously move something and spend hours and hours in doing it. But you do have the patience to spend all that time on audio. So how long does it take you to actually do a project? Say, I don't know, I have a one minute animation. How long is that going to take you? Um, so I heard uh, one lesson I learned a long time ago was to really optimize what you're doing. So I'm at a fairly optimized place right now where I know I, I all the hotkeys and shortcuts. Like if you can save you know, three seconds, a thousand times over, you know, you're going to save up a lot of bank of time. So I, I feel like that's another skill set that I have is to be able to know where to work efficiently and also leave room for creativity. So to answer your question, um, it really depends on the complexity of the piece. But generally speaking, as a rough guideline, um, I can do sound editing and sound design for a one minute piece in about a day. And depend, assuming that the score isn't anything uh, too spectacular, um, I can bust that out in also another day. Nice. Well, that's, uh, I mean, when I do audio for my like seven second stop motion films, it takes me a day already. So. Right. can't imagine doing a minute. <laughs> but I bet you could uh, animate a hell of a lot quicker than I can. <laughs> well, um, can, can you actually talk about a project you're, you're working on right now as an example, just to take us through the process of like, at what point do you come in and start doing sound design? Um, like, for instance, do you wait until something is completely animated or do you come in the process in the middle? I don't know. Do you have a project you're working on right now where you can just kind of explain from not having any sound to the finished product, what is the what is the process you go through? Right. So, uh, do you want the ideal situation, or do you want what happens, say, on a commercial job? Use use like a specific scenario. That's because like ideal is when does anything ever happen ideally, right? Like what is what is the nitty gritty of how it actually works? Sure. So I I, I feel like I can answer both. Um, it. Typically speaking, when I'm working on a commercial project, um, they usually don't bring me in until audio is always the afterthought, right? Like, say you're doing a commercial for Coca-Cola, and you know you have the ad agencies, and you know they're going to be working with the brand, and they're going to spend all this time coming with the campaign. They're going to like figure out how to execute. They're going to hire all the people. There's going to be super stressing to like get it all done. And then at the very end, it's like, oh yeah, wait, and we need to like a little time for audio. That's that that's not always the case, but it's been the case a lot of times. So generally speaking, I jump in usually uh, very near the end of a project, hopefully during picture lock, because I definitely more than once, you know, finish something and then there's edits and then I have to go in and I've, I actually have a whole system I've developed for very quickly um, adjusting <laughs> stuff for picture lock. Um, what is what is picture lock? Oh, so pic, sorry. Uh, picture lock means that you're not going to edit the video anymore. So that means like it, that means that means like picture is locked. It's not changing. So I I've been in situations where I do all this work on and and I build the whole thing out. They're like, oh, we we just cut seven seconds off. That's fine. Like, can you just adjust it? 
and what what people don't realize is with music you're on a four you're on a meter like one two three four so to cut seven seconds off i might be in the middle of a bar and it just makes the whole song sound awkward depending on so and again it's another skill set i had to develop was how can i very quickly adjust this music to where it still fits but it can fit in into their um uh, proper time you know uh, another very common commercial um, format they'll want is, you know, you do a commercial that's 15 second spot. It's the same spot, but they'll want a 15 second version, a 30 second version and a 60 second version. So again, with music, I have to create a score that's going to fit and sound great in a 15 second, a 30 second version and a 60 second version. So that can also be a little bit challenging and, uh, you know, you just kind of work through these things. Gotcha. So like, uh, that makes sense to me because as, as like in my animation, sometimes I will cut out part of a scene or whatnot because it doesn't flow as well. So at what point should I, and it, from my perspective, I do sound completely at the end because I don't know right. at all what it's going to be like. So what is, like you said, maybe let's talk about the idea. What is the ideal point you actually want to come in and start working on sound or having an idea of what things will be like? Well, assuming I'm doing the music and sound effects and most of the audio, I like to be involved. And th this is how Open the Portal is structured, right? Is, is Dave and I decided like, what's our ideal situation? That's why, you know, I have my studio in the same building as, as, as the animation and we're on the same server and we can swap files all the time. My ideal situation is to be there from day one, right? Even say, even we're just concepting the idea and doing pre-production, that still gives me ample time to start writing songs on the on the piano and just getting some ideas and kind of really, really honing, honing, um, you know, just really exploring ideas. So that way, by the time we get a little bit further along, I already have a direction. You know, maybe we change directions and I have ample time to try other ideas. And then, you know, I, 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 I think a lot of the, the sound design stuff is a little bit better later, like once stuff is shot. Um, but yeah, I just like being involved the, all the way through. And so we, we've even found sometimes music can inform and inspire the animation as well. Like sometimes I'll write a song that we know is going to be in a section and then they'll animate to the song, right? Which is like amazing because that's when you get that real connecting point of the music and the animation just bouncing and working together. I mean, that was kind of how it was done back in the day. Like if you look at the old Mickey Mouse cartoons, they would record those jams, right? And then, yeah. I mean, people do it, not just the old cartoons. The, but the merry melodies and, and all that stuff. Right, and even like the background trees, right? We're like dancing to the beat, you know, it's just great. I love yeah. all the old, old school, like Fleischer stuff. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, so, can, like going back to, I'm thinking about like uh, student films and stuff. How do I actually find somebody like you to work on my project or my thesis film? Or like, say I'm, say I'm even just putting together a short film for a festival and. Uh, I've watched a lot of short films and some of the sound design can tell like, oh, they use that free sound effect that I've used in all of my <laughs> games before. There's like a rooster crowing, yeah. there's like a whip sound and like yeah. a lightning that I hear even in TV shows. And I'm like, 
I know what the, where you got that. So don't forget, do I... don't forget the infamous uh, squawk of the hawk. When oh you're my gosh! Whenever you're seeing like a shot of mountains, yeah. it's always <laughs> it's always the same exact sample. Yeah, it's so and, funny. Uh, I, I won't go into this, but if, if all your viewers should, if you're interested in uh, sound design effect memes that have been embedded into your childhood that are jokes that you, they would just sort of like incorporate in movies to kind of talk to one another um look up something called the wilhelm scream okay and uh you, you guys can have fun with that it's it you you'll hear it and you'll think i know that sound and it's, it's been with me since my childhood I actually I know that it's it's in like movies all the way back to like black and white isn't it? isn't it from a it's from a soldier in one movie isn't it? Uh, it's actually from a cowboy getting eaten by a crocodile. In oh yeah! Oh my gosh! Yes. And I, I I've actually heard there there were like three or four takes of this scream, and you can hear he's like rah, rah, and then you get to the one and you're like oh my god that's a scream. That's <laughs> It's like that newspaper that's used in like every movie, right? Or like TV show as well. It's like just this in giant inside joke. Right. Um, <laughs> anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to get on more. So how do, how do I actually go about finding somebody to work with um, in sound design? Like you said, there are forums that you go on. Do I just like jump on one of those forums and be like, hey, yo, I have a student film I'm working on. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I'm going to give you three different avenues. Like say okay. you're, let's assume you're a, a student, right? And you're making a short film. Yeah. Um, avenue number one is I'm sure your school probably has an audio department, but you know what I would do is I would go to the professor and uh. say, who is your best student? <laughs> right. And, and get their info you know, or try and reach out to them or leave your card with a professor and and connect one to one. And because so much of this industry is growing and building relationships with people. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you may not want someone like me. If you're a student, I would encourage you to find someone like a peer that you guys can grow and work on stuff together, because once you find someone that you click with, I mean, click with, you should stick with that person as long as possible. You know, there's a reason you know, uh, Tim Burton and Danny Elfman work together and John Williams and, you know, it's just, you build connections and grow with these people. So that that's avenue number one, I would suggest. Um, avenue number two, like you said, I, I mean, Facebook for, like groups are just huge right now. And there's like, I can't tell you how many, like I even have a friend in casting. She does, you know, stuff for like reality shows and she literally has a Facebook group where she's like, hey, I need a PA for whatever. And it's like, people get work through these things. So I would just go through Facebook and look for sound design groups and, and composer groups. And these are all people that have studios and are just lo would love to work. And who knows, maybe they're in the UK. Like, but if you guys connect well, just work with that person. I, I mean, yeah, I've do you seen, remember the names of any of these these groups or just I literally think one of them is called I need an audio person. <laughs> like. You know what I mean? Like it's just, 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 just search on Facebook groups and just type in sound design, and you'll just go through the list and just start joining. You know? Writing all these down. Yeah, yeah. Please do. Um, so that would be a great reference. And then, you know, uh, a, a third option would be like 
um, just how you were saying, like, you know, look, look, look at student films that, that are kind of going around and look at the name of the person, you know, that uh, that did the sound design. Right. That's what credits are for. So you can track down that person. And who knows, maybe even if it's like a mo like, I mean, sending an email definitely is never a bad idea as long as you're being respectful. But yeah. well, who knows, like just hit up people and see who's down. Hey, that's how uh, we got to talking on this podcast. So absolutely, I think I think some people get a little apprehensive about sending emails, and oh, yeah. I, you know, again, keep it short and sweet, you know, and be honest. And you know, worst thing that could happen is they don't say anything, and then that's fine. Yeah. Um. So, uh, say I want to do the sound design myself, and I, for instance, I've done the sound design for all my short stop motion films. But I have a lot of issues searching, sorry, I don't do sound design. I do the um, sound effects. I'm not designing sounds. Oh, sure, yeah. I have a lot of, yeah, I don't have a studio where I can record things. I have done like, I don't know, like tapping and like whatever, <laughs> whistling noises and stuff. But I have a really hard time searching for the right sound effect. For instance, like I made this little stop motion cat out of pipe cleaners and there's a point where he like squishes into himself and then flies off the screen and I had no idea what that sounded like like so I ended up just finding like this slide whistle but it took me hours of looking through different sounds listening syncing up do you have any tips for and and part of the problem is like there's some free websites I use uh, like freesound.org and whatever but it's I find I don't even know what to search for in like text like sure. sometimes I'm just like funny whimsical and other times I'm like, I don't know, bubble popping or like I was searching for a sound that sounded like grinding and the grinding noises on there were just ridiculous and didn't match at all. Do you have tips for searching for specific sounds or even exploring, I guess? One tip, I'm going to answer your question, but I feel like a lot of people use this free uh, audio website which I even used at the beginning as well. One tip when you're using this website to get better quality sounds is if you look to the right, there's some numbers that'll say, um, you know, 16-bit, 24-bit, you know, and then there's another one called sample rate. And the sample rate will give you a couple options. And if you click the one that's like 48, you know, Generally, people with better equipment that know what they're doing are going to record things at a little bit of a higher quality. So because the problem I would have is like I would go on that website and type in something and it's like it just sounds like crap. You're like it's like an MP3 not recorded well. So to me, that's a good easy way of just adjusting some of your search parameters to be a little bit higher quality. And you'll find that you'll uh, the the actual uh, results might be a little more favorable. Um, but when it comes to, so your, your, your question was like, you know, if like your, your little, you're building a cat and you were struggling with what sounds to kind of search for or no, no, what text to input, right? What text? Yeah. What do I even like? First of all, I don't really have an idea in my mind, of but you, I don't even know what to search for. Sure. <laughs> yes. And uh, that's another one that's I don't think it's an easy easy answer that's something you'll just develop over time because um, what will happen is is you do it enough and you start kind of almost remembering right like oh I searched this and this came up here and there and there 
Uh, I'm sure there's might be some better optimized systems for, for doing that. Um, yeah, that one is definitely tricky. Um, and it sometimes it does just take a lot of time, right? That's part of the job. It's like, you know, you were mentioning like, like earlier, you know, I don't have the patience to do animation, but for whatever reason, I do have patience to sit there and search sounds, um, maybe because it captivates my attention a little earlier. But um, if there's some advice that I can give for that, I will say that there are certain keywords that, you know, that we use in these sound libraries that aren't, uh, that may not be uh, so intuitive so to speak. Mm. For instance, uh, actually, I just saw an article about this. I didn't read it, but I was like, oh, that's funny. They're like writing about this. Um, I, I, I don't know. Are you familiar with the phrase Walla? W-A-L-L-A. So uh, no. if you were to type in on the free sound effects Walla, what you're going to get is a crowd of people not saying words, but just kind of chattering in the background, like blah, 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 blah. And you're going to get a nice little ambience background of a whole, whole crowd of people. That is called a walla. So if you're ever looking for a, just like a general background layer of just the sound of people in a room, you would type walla, you know? Yeah. And so there are certain sort of key phrases and searches that will help you sort of get to where you want to go. And uh, I would definitely, a quick Google search, you know, you should be able to find a little PDF with just like common sound effects search terms or, you know, and that that might be a good tool if you're just starting out and kind of learning these things. What about uh, music? Because that's another thing I really struggle with finding the right music or something. I have no idea what to search either. Hmm. Um, that's something I don't have as much experience with. Because um, you make your own. <laughs> But I, I, I think I will be able to help a little bit in that, in a sense that I do know that there are certain libraries. I doubt they're free libraries, but there are certain libraries that do organ. They understand that people searching for music aren't going to know technical terms. So music, it would be a better place to just type in emotions and feelings, right? So like certain, you know, you, you can, uh, you know, you can say like uh, dark and gritty, slightly hopeful, you know, and there, there are certain websites where you it'll list out moods, so to speak. Gotcha, gotcha. Are there, can you think of any websites that are specifically good to use? I mean, we mentioned freesound.org, but are there other ones out there that are really good to use? <sighs> to be quite frank, that's the only one I've ever used. Okay, um, right. Uh, from back in the day, I mean, it depends like if you want to put a little money into it which i would encourage you to do because the 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 uh, quality of the sound effects are going to be uh, a lot better you know there's like i think there's one called like sound dogs and again facebook groups there's a whole facebook group i'm a part of for people that record and promote their own sound effects libraries that they sell um which is kind of great there's this whole like movement of indie recording sounds you know it's like weird stuff you know it's amazing like it'll be like this guy he has this weird old antique machine in his barn and so he'll take a microphone out there and record all the weird little gears and just metal bending and the whole thing and organize it record it process it well and then sell it as a package called like you know antique metal machine in the barn <laughs> great i 
I'm always looking for those kind of weird, bizarre, fringy kind of stuff, especially for sound design, you know, like, you know, taking a saw to a piece of metal, you know, will get you in some interesting places. Gotcha. Cool. Um, so I'm interested in like where, what you're doing now. I know that I already, uh, had an interview with, um, David for open, open the portal. Yeah. We talked about kind of the pitching process, but, um, is there anything cool that you're working on there that you want to talk about now? Yeah. So we're in the process of, uh, kind of developing and pitching a television series. And, uh, I, and, um, so we built, we spent, we started uh, production in January and we finished it up uh, uh, last month. And it was uh, an amazing project to get just some of the most talented people we know all in the room animating downstairs. And, um, and I was able to create all the music and sound for it. And it was a uh, probably actually one of the more challenging projects I've ever had to work on. <laughs> Um, but I'm extremely excited about it. It's, um, yeah, it's, we, we, we did a sort of Alice in Wonderland, or I'm sorry, um, a Wizard of Oz sort of feeling to the piece where it starts and you feel a little bit like you're actually in an old Flesher cartoon, but it's all in stop motion. And then there, a moment happens where the character sort of transcends through you know, some sort of portal, and now all of a sudden we're in color, full dimension land. So coming from a sound point of view, you know, I had to really, ever, like, I can't use modern sound effects in that black and white part because they they don't match. It's You see the visual and you hear a modern sound effect and they're not even in the same ballpark, you know. So I had to record my own, use certain aging process filters and get real creative with some plugins to kind of age the sound in a way where it's not too old but you know it's still clear enough and creates the vibe and feeling of an old cartoon and then and uh one of the cool techniques i got i i I wanted to do was to really i wanted the that moment when we go into color for it to be the most impactful possible um one of the techniques i employed was i actually mixed and recorded the entire first half in mono. So for people that don't know audio, you have two speakers, you have left and right, and you normally have sounds coming from both. Whenever you record in mono, it means all the sound is coming directly from the middle. So it actually sounds very small. And all the old cartoons, they didn't have two speakers, they only had one speaker. So everything was in mono. And then the second we break into color, the the we call it a stereo spectrum right so the right left all of a sudden it gets wide and you can hear stuff and then you hear low end and all these like new sounds and it like really supported the the feeling of um kind of the contrast i think that's an excellent example i've seen the the pitch and it's absolutely phenomenal Um, i watched it like 10 times in a row but yeah the sound design i mean from like my I being like into stop motion, I absolutely loved loved the stop motion and how that was made to look like Flesher cartoons. Right. But the sound design, yeah, it's seamless and and like it's something I didn't even think about, which is I guess exactly what you want. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> if you're it, I'm not doing my job correctly. Yeah, but the first half in black and white, and and you're right. Like I can think of the exact moment when he goes to the portal and it turns colorful and and the sound totally changes. Like I can even think of what it is in my mind because it was such like a bam in your face and that's like what you're saying before with the story like you want 
the sound to enhance the story you're telling. And I think that's exactly uh, what happened. Absolutely. And, and even going back to talking about process of like, you know, Dave and I developed this together. And I remember talking about this moment way before we even started shooting of like, you know, that moment when we go to color. And I had that idea like way before I even we even I even started doing it because it was already in my brain. And I had time to kind of think about, all right, how can I support that? And I and I knew that was one of the, the te uh, techniques I wanted to implement. I think I think for me, that's the kind of the biggest takeaway of talking with you. It's kind of changed my perception of sound design because before sound was like, OK, I need to add these effects to match whatever I've created in animation. But like what I've learned from you is it actually should enhance or tell a story not on its own, but like as as one, not like, okay, this character is walking, so it just needs a footstep right. in every scene it's walking, right. versus like, how can I tell a story through the sound? I think that's yeah. amazing. And, and and I would say to like, to, to, to even hit that point home more, is like, as long as it's supporting the story and the imagery, there's really not a wrong way to do it, you know? Like, you could have some sound that sounds all distorted and twisted and mangled and wrong, you know, but if it's the right image behind it and it's supporting the story, maybe that's the best thing you could possibly do. Yeah. So what, like, how did you learn that over time? Like when you were starting out, was it always, this was always the goal and that's why you love it? Or is there a specific moment that you realized this is how it needs to be? Uh, that, that's a really good question. I think to be honest, I, I, I've always just kind of viewed art, like I said, in kind of this weird kind of philosophical way. And, and it came from me being scared <laughs> and, and wanting to like figure out what it is that I do. Like, I remember the day that I sat down it. Well, OK, sorry. So I'll say it really started when when I back in my music production days. Right. Because what is a song? Right. A song is telling a story. So I had to learn as a music producer, every decision I made with that band should always be supporting the story in whatever, whether it's the album or the song, you know, and, and that kind of, again, where stemmed from me one day deciding I want to be a record producer and then really thinking about it and going, what the hell does a record producer do? Like, what is my job? Right. And like really thinking about that. And then it just kind of led me down this weird kind of existential path of like really thinking about well what is art like what is society and like kind of implementing that into my thinking um but i yeah anyway that's my long-winded answer that's fine no i love it um i'm also curious have you ever made like a giant mistake on something that you've worked on that you like cringe looking back like a project let me see i um yes i mean yes I, i've made probably every mistake that there is um that that is how you become an expert is you have to make every mistake possible yeah. uh, i still have plenty of mistakes to make um i can even tell you uh confidently today i sent out <laughs> an audio uh it was they wanted me just for sound design and um uh, I, I did all the sound design and they gave me a temp track of, uh, of the voiceover. And for whatever reason, I just spaced out and I sent them the audio track with 
the temp uh, dialogue in it, which they only needed the sound design. And so I had to get an email that was like, hey, can you send us this without the voiceover? And I was like, God, I'm a professional. I shouldn't be doing this, you know? So it's like, you know, mistakes happen every day. And, you know, it's not a big deal. You just resend it and, you know. But uh, biggest mistake, oh, gosh, man. I... I don't know. The the one I cringe about the most came from my music production days of I was recording this long story short, I recorded this album and the singer kind of got sick near the end and couldn't really do his vocals well and they kind of had a rough time and we had to just finish the album and then they they came back to me and to to produce the next album and I I part of being a producer is you're a little bit of a psychologist, right? And you have to kind of like maneuver the the and make decisions to get the best product. And I knew that that singer had really bad experience in my vocal booth just from when he was sick and having a bad time. So I told him, I said, hey, I have a friend of mine that has this old vintage mic at another studio that I think would be great for your voice. I think we should do the vocals over there. So we went over there, did the vocals, and dude, I mean, good Lord. He was a one-take wonder that day which is like unheard of, like in music where you can do a million takes. It was like the first take, he just nailed it every freaking time. And I was just like, yes. And uh, long story short, I got all the files on the hard drive and, you know, the band was like, hey, we're, you know, uh, we're going to come back in a month and we'll do the mix. And so I kept them stupidly on that hard drive without ever pulling them off the hard drive. Right. And sure enough, they hyped me up. They're like, we're ready to do this. And I load the files in, and it was just a corruption error fluke, oh, right? And I and I even called up my buddy at the, uh, my other studio, and I was like, hey, man, do you still have those files? And he was like, man, if you had literally called me yesterday, I was like one day late. He just deleted them. Oh, my goodness. And that is the worst. Banned. Like, dude, those perfect vocals you did are just gone forever. That that was probably one of the most like frustrating, cringy things that's, that has ever happened. Oh my goodness! Wow. Needless, oh. needless to say, they did not come back to me. <laughs> yeah. Um. Cool. Well, uh, I'm just like, well, from my end, I think I've pretty much asked everything I've been interested in. Um, I'm. I think it's like great that you have music production but also like very specific animation sound production and music production which i i've never really even thought of as a thing before our chat so i'm really happy uh we've chatted is there anything that you want to share or that you want to talk about or or whatnot i i feel like we've had a pretty extensive conversation actually uh, I, th I feel like you're a pretty good host hey what up uh, <laughs> Is there anything that you would um, go back and tell your younger self, thinking about like getting into the career path you've chosen? Uh, I, I'd probably just say, you know, it's going to be a long, hard road, but just keep going. So what? Well, that was going to be my second question. Like, uh, for me, like choosing to go into animation specifically now at this time in my life was such a hard decision to make because I had built up so much in a different career because I was way too scared to ever get into animation. Um, so what was that thing keeping you going, even though it was so tough? 
I, 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 I heard someone say one time that it's, you know, wait, wait who, who said that? Oh, I actually, no, no, no. I said this, you know, I, <laughs> sorry. Quote it yourself. I thought it was a quote. I, I, I like to quote and use metaphors because um, I, I don't, I usually lack original thought. But the, um, it was like, I, I feel like two people, you know, they, they can view art in two ways where it's like, you know, people either treat art like a little bit, kind almost like a drug where they're like, I'm happy and I want to feel like, or I'm sad and I want to feel happy. So I'm going to like ingest this sort of art or create this art to like alter my mood and kind of like experience in a certain way. And then there's like, some people that like experience art like almost more like a disease where you don't really have a choice like you're just infected with this disease and you can't get rid of it and um unfortunately uh i feel like i've been afflicted my most of my life where i don't really ever feel like i had a choice so what keeps you going forward is this disease called art <laughs> I can relate. I mean, that's what I was animating on the side, waking up at 6 a.m. Yeah. before work, coming home from work, doing stuff till midnight until I realized that I just have to do this. It's crazy, right? Like, yeah. anyone who does this stuff, you, you got to be like, we're not normal people. No, I talk to my friends and they're like, yeah, come home and watch Netflix. And I'm like, don't you want to create shit? And they're like, nah, <laughs> I'm happy. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. I've had a I've had a really good chat. It's been really interesting, and I'm uh, I feel enlightened into this into this world of uh, sound design and and composition and stuff. Even though I really have no really experience at all, other than searching on freesound.org and applying some footstep sound effects. <laughs> yeah, and I I'm looking forward to hearing the the end result. Yeah, I'll have to send you some of my stuff. So um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's really been a good chat. Absolutely. Great. And if you're listening and you want to get in touch with Barrett, you can find him on his website, which is barrettslegel.com, which I'll include in the link of our description. I'll include the link to that in the description of this podcast. So thank you so much for listening. And that's all for now. Okay, bye.